Hey, welcome to 2018. This is the Crystal Silence League Hour with uh, Reverend John St. Germain. Once again, uh, did I say that right? Crystal Silence League Hour? Yeah. Uh, once again, very happy to be here. And uh, I am both thirsty and hungry because I've been working all day. We've been preparing some surprises for you. Uh, come on back in just a minute. We'll talk about it. We've been very busy um, in this uh, little group of ours preparing for the 2018 Hoodoo Heritage Festival, and we'll be announcing that soon. So keep your eye on our, all of our various um, Facebooks and web addresses for that, and you'll see links to where you can pre-register and get tickets to it. We're moving the venue from where it used to be uh, to Santa Rosa at a uh, exhibition center. And I think you're going to be very pleased with some of the uh, changes we have made to the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. It's still the same old festival, just in a new venue. And we've upgraded it a little bit. And you'll be very happy with that, I think. Tonight, the tools of necromancy. And for those of you who, tooled in, who, who, who tuned in for the tools of necrophilia, not this show. That's further on down the line on Blog Talk Radio. So, uh, to my friend Jeremy, sorry, man. Um, this is the Crystal Silence League Hour, which was founded around 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon for the purpose of distributing prayer and affirmation to all those in need of such. And, of course, Mr. Conlon passed into the silence, as we all do and all will someday, around 1954, and he took the League with him until about 2009, when adepts of Missionary Independent Spiritual Church revived it, brought it from the silence, and put it on the interweb, where you can find us at www.crystalsilenceleague.org. And if you go there, you'll see that there's a page full of prayers. Um, we get about 200 prayers a week. There is no charge for prayer. Prayer is always free at the Crystal Silence League. We do have a gift shop that helps support the expenses of running uh, the things, things like this radio program and the uh, website and the newsletter and the Facebook and everything. Uh, so uh, when you do buy that, something from the guests or from the uh, gift shop, you get a year's membership in the Crystal Silence League. That's basically how you join. You either make a donation or you buy something from the gift shop and you, you're, you join that way and you get a year's membership as part of that. So, um, that's that's how you do it. We have several books there. A couple are written by our founder, Mr. Claude Conlon, on uh, crystal projection and crystallomancy. One written by me, um, Reverend John St. Germain, on crystal magic. And I'm uh, currently hard at work on a sequel to that, on lithomancy, which is, of course, divina divination and magic with stones. So uh, that will be upcoming at the 2018 Hoodoo Heritage Festival. I'll be teaching a workshop there from my book, and showing you how you can do all kinds of nifty things, um, divination techniques with stones. And there's not that much about that. Part of that book also is divination with coins. And believe me, there's not hardly anything about other than I Ching, hardly anything about coins. So that's what we're going to work on. Um, we always like to start with our crystal of the week. And uh, I found a very interesting one. It's called Columbite Tantalite, or sometimes uh, um, Coltan. And uh, Coltan is mined in uh, various parts of the world, but the Coltan that I'm interested in is mined in Central Africa. And I'll tell you why in a minute. It's used for electronics. Um, it's used to make condensers, in fact. Not not the big can condensers from my childhood that were as big as a beer can, but those little tiny condensers that you see in electronics. Uh, Coltan is used in that. Now, I'll tell you that um, um, 
columbite tantalite has um, tantalum in it, the mineral tantalum, and also niobium. And these are very strong crystals, strong um, minerals. They uh, strengthen your character. Uh, they protect you from unwanted spiritual and emotional assault. And they, it is, uh, I've been finding uh, one of the strongest shielding stones I think I've ever worked with. Um, they will increase your physical energy, your mental clarity, uh, help you endure terrible times. And uh, tantalum um, can help you... Uh, with your endurance and help you prevent burnout or exhaustion. You can get boundless sleep if you have it nearby. Um, it is a superconductor. Um, it, it's, super, it, it's a superconductor and it has a strong magnetic field. Um, and it uh, produces a very, very low electrical resistance, which is why it's used in condensers. Um, I'll tell you that it can be used to activate uh, your chakras, and uh, it's one of those stones that can work on many of your chakras, because if you see the stone, it looks like it's gray, a dark gray, but when you uh, twist it to the light, it, it fragments light into all of its uh, component colors. Um, it does look like a dull gray. If you see it tossed, though, or tumbled, now you start to see lots of different colors come through. Um, it's got a, a, a luster to it, a sheen to it. Uh, it's heavy, and I'll, I'll tell you that it is a um, um, uh, an interesting stone because uh, I've been working with spiritual uh, ancestor work with many of my African American clients, and coltan is um, uh, it's a it's the colloquial uh, African term for columbite tantalite, and it is mined in Central Africa. Uh, so it, I found it's very good for helping uh, those who are from Central Africa uh, ancestry, uh, Congo ancestry, Biafran ancestry, uh, when they're trying to do uh, connection with spiritual work, which, of course, is the topic of this week, right? Uh, it's very uh, interesting uh, stone. It's used in uh, um, uh, electrolytic capacitors, and it's... Uh, used in uh, uh, making uh, carbide tools. So this is a a uh, mineral or a stone that is used in tool making of all sorts. So the stone itself lends itself to being used as a tool. And it is a very um, accommodating stone in that respect. Uh, if you make an elixir of it, Man, if you see this stuff, it's like a piece of lead. You just drop a little bit of it in uh, water and leave it in the sun or in the moon. Um, let the water be infused with this energy. Remove the stone, add a few drops of brandy. Uh, anoint your chakras with it. Sprinkle it around your area. Use it for your magical purposes. And uh, that's a coltan or columbite tantite, a very interesting stone. Let's move to our uh, prayer requests, and if you go to crystalsilenceleague.org and you go to the prayer page, you can actually go along with me. And uh, we're going to start reading some of these. I want to tell you that I always am anonymous with these prayers. I never name anyone by name <laughs> unless they irritate me. Uh, but uh, we do uh, identify them by uh, prayer ID. So let's start, and you can pray with me. Any of you have crystal balls, use your crystal balls for positive affirmation and Projection. So we start our prayer ID 68656. Who wants peace and love in her relationship with a man whose initial is J? It says, I just want us to stop fighting. I'm very hurt that he's back to being mean and hot and cold in our relationship. I don't understand why. All of a sudden, he's very mean to me. Please make him understand and soften his heart toward me again. I love him very much and don't want to lose him. I just want us to focus on loving each other and starting a family. Please help us get back together sweetly and loyally to each other. This is breaking my heart so much right now. Please help. Amen. Prayer ID 
1-800-242-5555. Please pray that I get approved for a house. Rent is getting too high, and I found some affordable homes. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Prayer ID 68654. My mom had cancer for 17 years. About eight years before she passed, she met a man who pretended to be a good man. Hindsight, after her death, after I told him he could live at her co-op, even though I could have sold it for a lot, he ends up being someone else and took complete advantage. My name is on the co-op and her car. Once I found out his many lies, he wouldn't let me get into the co-op. Stole the car, forged papers. My signature sold the car, won't leave the co-op. Got a shady lawyer dragging one and a half years. Has the gall to sue me in Supreme Court. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's acting the victim. Please help the judge to see his shady lies. Amen. Pray right 68653. Please pray that my child and please pray that child and family services keeps away and lets us keep myself and husband's four children. I'm pregnant with my fifth child. Seems like every child I give birth to, they threaten us. Please pray they go away and we don't have to deal with them ever again. Amen. Pray right 68652. Dear Jesus, Kay and I pray every day. Please show us signs our divine mates are on the way. We're very committed in showing you that we love you and we love our husbands. Please continue to guide us daily and show us that we're on the right path. Is that Mate's, perhaps? Thank you for our friendship so we don't, are not alone during the, husband's, the husband phase. We greatly appreciate all the daily blessings, and we never take this journey for granted. Amen. Prayer ID 68650. Need a beneficial and steady flow of abundance. Someone needs money. Quickly arriving and steady beneficial flow of abundance, prosperity, money, and resources for our family. Amen. Prayer ID 68649. I pray ill will and negative energy sent against my finances and earning to be killed and destroyed. I feel there is some form of ill will toward me. Employers have failed me again and again, and it's discouraging. I want them to be punished for being careless and evil. I pray employment, money, income, and grace. Amen. Prayer ID 68647. Please pray that my husband is released from jail immediately, and the time he's been there is considered time served for his old speeding charge. Please pray that he appreciates and trusts me more and that the situation has shown him that I'm truly in his corner and how much I love him. Thanks and may you be blessed. He's in jail for speeding? That's unjust. Help this man. Prayer ID 68645. Jay has been injured with a brain injury and severe fascia damage. And while he can heal with the right doctor, he lives on HI. And ever since I met him two weeks ago, I've been doing my best to get him a doctor. He's on his last road unless a miracle happens. Please, Lord, St. Jude, and all of heaven, give me strength to be there for him. Do not be afraid to speak of death and to help him feel like he's not alone. Jay is only 22 and was injured boxing. Amen. Let's have a moment of prayer and affirmation for these good people, for everyone who has asked for prayer on the Crystal Silence League, and everyone else in need of prayer and affirmation.
Amen. Well, we're still con- continuing our talk about necromancy, communicating with the dead, and uh, connecting with our ancestors and honoring our ancestors and uh, setting up an ancestral altar and spirit altar and all manners to deal with spirit communication. And uh, I, uh, I, I'm i not big on social media. I, I started on the Internet uh, when there was an Internet, but long before the Internet. You know, I was 30-something when desktop computers became available. Before then, you didn't have computers at all <clears throat> in your home. If you used them at all, you had to go somewhere where they had <laughs> these gigantic wangs. They were called <laughs> gigantic wangs. Uh, gigantic wang computers. Uh, we had an Oak Ridge and uh, servers and uh, back servers and all these other things. You didn't have a desktop computer. They had a big server and, intelli- and non-intelligent terminals that plugged into it. Um, and then the... Uh, Microchip was invented, and um, desktop computers became popular, um, for good or bad. <clears throat> so I don't spend a lot of my time perusing discussions on the internet about various things. I'm still very old-fashioned. A lot of my most of my research, in fact, is done uh, at the library with books, um, or in my own library, which is immense. It's got thousands of volumes I've collected and inherited over the years. But <clears throat> I know there's a lot of factionism um, where people say, this is the way you do it, and if you don't do it this way, you're doing it wrong and you're not real. And um, this is the way the ancestors want it done. If you don't do it this way, then you're not honoring the ancestors and it's not real. And um, <clears throat> uh what occurred to me the other day um, when I was uh, walking in spirit, um, I said, do I need to um, listen to any of this chatter? And my grandmother said, you know, one day you're going to be the ancestor that other people are referring to. And I said, oh, yeah, I guess that's right. So the magicians and conjurers and necromancers alive today, they're all arguing about the right way to do it tomorrow Next day, next year, 10 years from now, we'll be the ancestors. <clears throat> now, we do have primordial ancestors, which is another story, the ones that go way back. Um, people had uh, found out by trial and error the correct way to do things, and that we need to know. You cannot play with rules until you know the rules. And uh, <clears throat> But if you had that kind of mentality anywhere else, we'd still be living in trees and huts and uh, caves. There'd be no advancement in art, for instance. Uh, People would still be painting like they did in the uh, 1100s and look at that crappy stuff. Picasso never would have happened. Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo never would have happened. Um, um, Van Gogh, Monet... None of these guys would have ever happened if they said, well, this is not honoring the people that went before. But they did take what went before and applied it to their own expression. The expressionists knew a lot about uh, complementary color. They knew a whole lot about light and contemporary color that had been discovered by previous generations of artists and scientists, such as Isaac Newton. So my advice is to learn the traditional way inside and out. Don't start off an hour and a half in the business and say, I'm going to rewrite all these rules. If you do, um, you have to unlearn it. It's easier to learn something the correct way than to go back and have to unlearn it. This is true of anything. If you play the piano or something and you learn it wrong, if you learn a song wrong and get it in your head wrong, oh my God, you'll never get it out of your head. You have to just stop and get away from it for a month and then come back and relearn it because you, you keep trying to play it wrong. <clears throat> so learn the the correct way to do it. And there's really no excuse now to not know the correct way to do it. Information is everywhere. But you do have to get the good information. And this is where you need a teacher, I think. You need a guide for some of this stuff. And um, uh, any kind of advanced magical practice of any sort, you're going to need a guide you're going to need a teacher. You need a reputable one. Um, if you're going to learn to play the piano, you get someone that plays the piano, not someone who read about how to do it in a book, and they can't do it. They know the theory, but they can't do it. You need someone who's actually doing it 
and you need to know that they're doing it. And usually they have a pretty good reputation. <clears throat> you know, it's not somebody that just appeared out of nowhere like a genie out of a bottle and said, hey, I'm a master uh, 12th generation uh, mage, and I know all this stuff. And they have a list of every kind of accomplishment on their website, but no one has ever heard of them. Nobody. They don't have a client list. They don't have testimonials. They don't have any kind of um, uh, uh, credentials at all. So learn to do it correctly. Now, <clears throat> with that said, understand that when uh, when we work with ancestors and we honor ancestors, um, we're also um, helping them honor their ancestors. It is a a chain of events that um, goes back further and further through history to the primordial age. By honoring our ancestors and honoring those who went before us, we help them honor their own. And there can be ancestral discord. There can be, if your family squabbled in life, they can squabble in death. You can have factionism. You can have shattered families. You can have spiritual issues that are not clear until you begin to practice spiritual necromancy. And then you realize, man, my ancestors are messed up. Um, my ancestors are in war, at war within, uh, it's like uh, Hatfield McCoy. And what do you do? We actually have ways to deal, deal with that. But I'd like to tell you that... Um, <clears throat> the one thing you can always understand, no matter how lonely you feel, you never walk alone. Your family, your ancestors, uh, they're all around you. Your friends, um, teachers, a little bit of them stays with you in spirit. Um, <clears throat> one of the best ways, and we've been talking about this uh, for weeks, to honor the ancestors and to honor any spirits that you want to work with and any spirit that you want to work with in this kind of relationship, I think should be treated like an ancestor, is to build your altar. And there's some nuts and bolts to building an altar. Um, you uh, you set apart a space in your house and said, this is yours, this is your space, which means that you know the kids can't come in messing with the, the items on it. You don't set your coffee cup and your peanut butter sandwich on the altar. Uh, unless you're giving it to the spirits, and then it's not yours. Um, <clears throat> you give it to me say, this is yours. This is where you live. This is your space in my house. Welcome. And um, if you think about it, um, genetically speaking, we're all the summation of our ancestors. We, we already have the ability to communicate with us because we are walking shrines to our ancestors. We have to make that shrine physical. And uh, we have all of the lineage. Every parent, grandparent, great-grandparent, every ancestor before us has given a little bit of themselves to create us. So we have to think, well, what is a, uh, what is a shrine? And uh, I'm going to tell you that there was um, as, many, as many different shrines as possible. I mentioned that there was a fellow I knew who had a, an ancestor's dentures in a jar, um, there's a fellow who had a blue bottle with um, various items in it. Someone just had a picture. And, uh, <clears throat> well, uh, some people like to have a big one. They'll, they'll, they'll make a table, and they'll get a very nice table, um, like a, a dresser uh, of a vanity, maybe, and put all sorts of items on it. And they take this very seriously. Um and sometimes your ancestor altar is just pictures of your family. So um, there were times when uh, uh, customs in certain countries and civilizations, someone died, you, you made keepsakes out of parts of their body. I'm, I'm serious. And that, that followed through into England and Ireland and even America uh, until quite recently someone would pass away and you would cut a lock of their hair and make a watch fob of it. Many many people went around with a braided lock of an ex-wife or a mother. Not an ex-wife, but a deceased wife or a mother or a daughter as a watch fob. And 
this is a type of uh, ancestor veneration that uh, that we we talk about. So, um, <clears throat> and um, when uh, we talk about what we have now, uh, we have jewelry that was given to us by our uh, beloved ancestors. We have um, clothing that can be uh, turned into a cover for the shrine. So no one can tell you that the way you're honoring your ancestors is wrong. I mean, who who in the world do you think of such thing? Who has such arrogance that can say, "No, you're you're honoring your ancestors incorrectly"? Well, you know, man, they're my ancestors. Um, don't tell me that. And um, there's there's a particular type of um, elitism going around now that says, if, like, if you're a root worker, you can't do anything else. You have to practice root work as it was taught by the grandmothers, as it was taught by the ancestors, as it was practiced when the people set foot on this country. No, uh, no. People set foot on this country with African folk magic, and then they were like, what's all these plants and stuff? And then root work became an amalgam of Native American botanical lore and Protestant Christianity and Yiddish and Irish and others as it goes along. So what we see is a, <clears throat> a progressive growing, organic, living tradition. And this is not unlike Buddhism. Buddha taught a certain doctrine or certain guidelines, and every culture that adopted Buddhism added to it to make it fit their culture. That's why we have Zen Buddhism from Japan, which came from Chan, which from Chan Buddhism, which is China. It's why we have uh, Mahayana Buddhism, practiced by Tibetan Buddhists that has bone shamanism, and then we have the Theravadan Buddhism, which is the oldest tradition, unbroken lineage that goes back to the Buddha himself. Very fundamentalist. And, uh, or very fundamental. And uh, so, with uh, with something like root work, um, there are rules. There are rules, and you need to learn those rules. And once you've learned those rules, maybe you can add something of your own to it because one day, as I say, you and I are going to be ancestors. Um, I am a uh, non-denominal, non-denominational or multi-denominational pastor. I work with clients from every religious tradition. I am familiar with every religious tradition that I work with. If somebody comes to me and say, you know, I worship uh, this particular practice, I would have to say, I don't know what that is, but uh, I'll still try to counsel you about the problem. My religion is kindness. My religion is understanding. My, my race is the human race. I don't say, you know, I'm a Native American and I don't like anyone who's not. Uh, my race is the human race. You know, all men and women are my brothers and sisters. And I don't say that only one specific race of people has a right to specific knowledge. This is absurd. This is absurd. Um so when, when, whenever I hear this, I know that I'm listening to the mouthings of one of two types of people, raving bigots or those who are insecure in their own identity, and they're threatened by anyone who does anything different. So when people come to me and they want root work, they get root work, and that's what they get. But I also do other types of religious ceremonies, and some of these involve crystals and stones and dolls and images from other cultures. And it's come to my attention that some people have seen this in pictures of my family. Go, he's not a root worker. Look, he's got dolls from Java. He's got masks from uh, Tibet. He, that's not root work. No, you're right. It's not. It's not. It's something else. I'm working with other images. But the primordial spirit is the same, whatever you call them. The primordial spirits are the same. Many names God has a thousand names, and uh, and I try to work with whatever is comfortable, whatever language is um, comfortable to my uh, my ministry. Now, um, I would love to read you something. I, I I found this poem, and I do not know the author. Uh, now, at one time I might have, <clears throat> and I have it pinned on my Divine Harmony Spiritual Church website uh, and on my Facebook, but. It's a um, a wonderful poem, and I uh, gosh, I, I've I've seen it for thirty years. It must be very old, but I'll read it to you. Ten thousand paths may lead to God. What right is mine to say? 
that he who fails to walk with me has missed the only way. What right of mind to arrogate such grasp of finite mind and boast while others vainly seek the God I seek and find? How could the God I live and trust point out to only me the way which travel all men must or die eternally? I'm not so wise that he denies the light to all save me. While other hearts as true as mine, he loves with less degree. So if the path we tread should lead where bright cathedrals rise, or weathered church or rustic shrine point upward to the skies, each sincere traveler will arrive where lights of welcome shine, and myriads will be there who walked a different path than mine. Let's have some station identification. I want to come back and tell you some more stuff. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, Fit and Foxy, Madame Nadia and Jaya Danya, Wednesdays 6 to 7, and The Witch, the Priestess and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7. All times Pacific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Let's make our first spirit altar. Get you a nice table, um, a table or even a windowsill or a bookshelf, and clean it. Clean it with Florida water. This is the one that's uh, most people like. You can get a water, Hoyt's Cologne, um, Chinese wash, but clean it. Uh, so fumigate if you like that entire space and that entire room with uh, uh, with uh, frankincense, with uh, camphor, with uh, copal to drive out the lower spirits. <clears throat> Put a white cloth on it. This is just a suggestion, but a white cloth. Put um, bowls of water in it, and these bowls that uh, I've seen a lot of people use, and I like to use them, are these little little china bowls. You can get them in Chinese restaurant supply companies that they serve rice in. They're about as big as a teacup. And um, fill these with water. And I'm going to tell you that you can have one, you can have three, you can have five, you can have seven, you can have nine. It depends on who you ask, but it's usually an odd number. And add pictures of your honored dead. It could be your mother and your father and your grandparents and your aunts and your uncles, just as many as you can. With Ancestry.com, you can go back and get pictures from hundreds of years ago of your family, and this is really, really handy. Um, some families had photo albums. We had fa- we had pictures in our photo album when I was a kid of uh, great grandparents and uh, a grim looking lot they were too. And uh, I found out why people in those old photographs look so grim. You had to hold still for like 13 minutes <laughs> for a picture to be made. And uh, I mean, it had to be motionless, right? Or there'd be a blur. So they would pose you in these uh, positions where you're bracing against each other and say, don't move. And I'm going to count off 13 minutes. And you know, sometimes it, I think got down to six or seven. I think, but a long time to stand still. So they're they're very grim. You know, take, you know, you got they got to understand you're you're motionless in the single try holding absolutely still for any length of time, a minute, three minutes. After a while, your muscles start to uh, protest, and you go, Oh God, take the damn picture. So set that aside. Um, now, if you know the habits of your honored dead, make them offerings. Um, you can give them tobacco. You know, put a pack of smokes on there or a cigar, flowers, uh, sweet snacks or cakes, whatever you like to do. Um, um, I want to tell you that many spiritual traditions, including African traditions, like to use white cloths. I know that many of the Spanish uh Spiritual traditions uh, have had uh, altars in their house with white cloths. Um, and then I'd like you to make a box, uh, get a wooden box, a nice wooden box. And I, I got one of those um, 
uh, it's like a wish box, like a cedar chest, not a big one, but about the size of a cigar box, and you put your wishes in it. They used to give you these when you went to school, um, and uh, I know the, you know, I, I can't remember the name of them, but you, um, it, it's like uh, something you get when you're going to get married. You put all the stuff in there you want when you get married, and um, add things in there that belonged to your ancestors or reminded them reminded you of your ancestors um if you don't have anything in particular um that belonged to one of your ancestors what did he like to do you like to play cards get a deck of cards and put them in there um was he do you like to play chess put some chess pieces in there um what nationality are they from you know if your uh, ancestor came from germany uh, put some German coins of that era in there. Find uh, a German doll of some kind and put it in there. You see, you see my point. You want to create a uh, a resonation, an ambience, a link, something that reminds them of it. Um, and if you can collect graveyard dirt from your ancestors, and I like to put these in little bags, and these are not fancy bags. I just take a square of cloth, and it can be red flannel green flannel, purple flannel, and I put the uh, and the uh, dirt in these little bags and tie them with, with twine and put them on the altar in that box. Um, so <clears throat> here's the thing now. You put offerings on an altar and maybe have some cookies, you know, milk and cookies, and where do you think that practice came from, leaving milk and cookies to Santa Claus? And you say, how long do I leave them there? And people come back and go, oh, you know, the. it's not like Santa Claus, though. You wake up on Christmas morning and Santa's eating the milk and cookies. You go, yay, Santa's been here. That's not how this works. Um, the spirits, and I can tell you, uh, I can read you some uh, literature from uh, Buddhism about hungry ghosts, the Pritas, where they have a hungry ghost festival and they put food out for them. And the food doesn't literally get eaten, <clears throat> but the spirits eat the spirit of the food. Now, can you dig that? The manitou, the spirit, the uh, essence of the food, they can eat that. <clears throat> you put a ham sandwich on that altar, that ham sandwich has a spiritual astral body, just like we do, <coughs> and that spirit can eat that and enjoy it just as they did in life. So... How long do you leave them there? You put some Oreo cookies out in a bowl, and you leave them for your ancestors. Uh, one day is fine. They're not going to disappear. And if they do, I'd like to hear about it. Believe me, I would like to hear about it. If you've left food out for your spirits, and it disappeared, and you don't have cats or dogs or kids in the house, I'd love you to call me. That's uh, 657-383-0525 and hit one. I'd like to hear that story. But uh, <clears throat> usually... The uh, the spiritual essence of that is good. Flowers, you can leave them until they start to wilt. But things like food, um, uh, you don't want it to sit there and rot. You want it as long as it's fresh. Tobacco, I don't see any reason why you can't um, leave tobacco there for a little while. But not you don't want to just put a pack of cigarettes on your altar and leave it there forever. Uh, <clears throat> replace it. Now, that doesn't mean if you're a smoker, you crack open that pack and smoke your granddad's cigarettes. No, you don't. You dispose of them. All of your offerings on your altar, you dispose of it, and you dispose of it. Um, um, uh, in a traditional way. Um, so, don't surprise your spirits, though. Don't say, I'm going to leave these cookies here and... They're there forever. Say, I want to leave you, I'm, you know, Grandma, Grandpa, I'm going to leave you these cookies, and tomorrow um, I'm going to get rid of them. So you have a certain amount of time, you know, or two days, I'm going to get rid of them. And, and then you dispose of them ceremonially. Now, food offerings, uh, I know a lot of people, they just scrape them off and throw them in the trash with the rest of their food. Uh, I like to take them out and uh, feed them to my squirrels or my rabbits or my uh, coyotes or whatever's outside. You know, it's a food offering. I'll take it out and let the let nature have it. I'll put it out uh, in a plate. I'll put it out on my back porch and let nature have it. And I think if this occurs, if I come in the morning and the food is eaten that way, I say that this is an offering that was accepted. Um, 
I um, also want to point out something, and that is uh, our ancestors were not perfect, and our ancestors are, were human, unless you had some ET blood in you. Um, <clears throat> and um, most of our ancestors, if you go far enough back, were polytheists. They had a multitude of gods. Somewhere along the line, one of your ancestors may have decided, well, I'm going to become a monotheist. I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to become Jewish. Um, I'm going to become Islamic and one and only God. So, um, now, um, you should honor all of your ancestors. And um, unless the ones that you find out were schmucks, wife beaters, child abusers, rapists, killers, these you don't. Um, these you do not honor. And um, so we embrace the fact that there are ancestors. We call them out on it. We say out loud, you know, uh, Uncle Jesse, you were a rapist in life, in the afterlife now. You're carrying this great burden with you. We need to sort this out. Do you regret what you've done in life? Now, I can do this with some authority because I ask people this anyway. Uh, I'm a pastor. I'm an ordained minister. I ask people all the time, you know, do you do you have remorse for what you've done? And I say, well, yes. I say, well, then, you know, you're forgiven. Forgive yourself. You can do this with spirit, too. And that seems, people, oh, my God, that's presumptuous. No, it really isn't. It really isn't because the only difference between spirit and us, remember, first of all, they may have been around a lot longer, but vibration, our vibrational level is slower than spirit. They exist on a different vibrational plane, but they still have all the human faults and all the human virtues. And what we would like to do is help them if they're still dealing with stuff, grief, remorse, anger, addiction. And can you dig that? There, there can still be spirits carrying addiction into the afterlife. Can you dig this? We carry a lot of junk with us. I'll tell you, in Buddhism, the, um, the moment of death is very important. Your mind state at death is very important because this is going to determine what happens after you die. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, if you die craving a drink or craving uh, a hit, um, you're going to take that craving into the afterlife. And in uh, some Buddhist countries, they say you'll become a preta, uh, a hungry ghost. You'll be hungry and never be able to fulfill your belly. Um, so this is a very serious business. And I will tell you that if you do help your ancestors get past this, and understand they don't, they don't experience time like we do. We have, you know, time is an illusion. Happy New Year, that's just a mark on a calendar. We talk about time, and it was said by many anthropologists that people who lived in the medieval era didn't have that sense of time that we do. Uh, they didn't have hours and minutes and seconds, and uh, they had sunrise, sunset, and certain times of the season that they had to do things, plant and sow and reap. But, man, we count seconds. I'm sitting here looking right now at my clock, 15 minutes, 4, 3, 2, 1, in our stream. We count seconds. <clears throat> Spirits don't do that. They live in this timeless, eternal now kind of state, and they can be dead 500 years and not even realize that 500 years has passed on Earth. So imagine that, and and the whole time they've carried something with them, a thorn in their side, and if, as a spiritual worker, you can help the ancestor take that out, help the spirit take that out and be at peace, they're very grateful, just as you and I would be. <clears throat> And they want to give you gifts, so we give them gifts, we give them honor, but we don't want to emulate their um, their mistakes or their problems. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, what do you do if you have a religious difference? You know, what if you're a pagan? Um, what if you're a Christian? What if you're a pagan and they're Christians? And what if you're a Christian and they're pagan, and vice versa? Um, <clears throat> what if you're monotheistic? You know, what if you're a Christian? and your ancestors are polytheistic. This is something you're going to have to work out with them. And I'm going to tell you that if a spirit is intolerant of your um, uh, belief system or your lifestyle, 
it, it won't work. And I don't know if I told this story, but there was a uh, uh, a very talented necromancer I know. She's an older woman now. She's in her 60s. <laughs> I'm 60. I'm an older woman. But I was 30 when I talked to her. And uh, and she said, you know, I was very disappointed when uh, I wanted to work with my ancestors because I wanted dearly to work with my grandmother. You know, I loved my grandmother. She was a hard woman like many southern women were of that generation. But I wanted to work with her because she was very, very good at um, – uh, psychic abilities and magic and stuff. And I said, well, what happened? And this is when I first got the inkling that this sort of thing could happen. And she said she was very angry with me and she would not appear. And um, so I asked my father, who was in spirit, I said, what's wrong with grandma? And she said, she doesn't like your husband. And I thought, oh, because you see, this was a white woman married to an African-American man. And Granny didn't like that. That was the generation, and that was the belief she had. And uh, <clears throat> Granny was not going to work with her granddaughter, who had married outside, you see. So this thing happens. That was one of the first times I got an inkling that that could happen, that spirits could disapprove of you, not like you. And you may not like them either. Um, I worked with a family spirit for a little while, but he lied to me all the time. He, he used to lie in life. In life, he was—he'd lie just for the fun. He'd lie just as soon as when the truth would suffice. A lie is what would come from his lips. I think just because that was the way he was wired, and uh, <clears throat> but he wanted to uh, appear, and I worked with him for a while. But he was so unreliable. I just said, "You're going to have to move on and go on to your reward because I can't have you giving me false information and telling me that you did things when you didn't." Because you see. I'm a professional in this, and my spirits have to be professional. And they can't come back and say, yeah, I did that. Well, what happened? Well, this happened. And I tell my client, and my client said, no, that didn't happen. It makes the whole the whole company look bad, you know, the whole organization. And uh, um, that's that's what it's for. Now, you may not be a professional uh, uh, spiritual worker, but same thing applies. You don't want the scoundrels of your ancestors living around. Now, you may be one of these wonderful people who take wounded people under your wing and try to heal them, and you can do that spiritually. You can do that with spirits. I don't see anything wrong with it, but just be careful who you take under your wing because these wonderful, kind people often will take in a sociopath, right? And the sociopath pretends to be uh, caring and human and empathetic and just needs a little help. And by the time it's over, you know, our empathetic, sympathetic, spiritual person has been uh, wrecked. Not the sort of thing you want to have happen to you. So the same thing happens with spirits. You can have a spirit, um, you know, that comes and says, yeah, you know, I know I had problems. I know that, you know, I, I drank and I was yelling and slapping your mom around and stuff, but I w I'm better now. I want to get better. You know, help me with it and still be just the same and just telling you what you want to hear. Uh, that's why it takes a little work. Now, some of the tools of necromancy, um, <clears throat> uh, there are people who, who can just close their eyes and go into a trance state and talk to spirits. And other people like to use an intermediary, intermediary, intermediary tool like a spiritual cell phone. And the granddaddy of all that, or the grandmother of all that, is the spirit board, what's sometimes called a Ouija board and, uh, uh, or a planchette. And the planchette or the spirit board can be a very f good first line of of defense when you're trying to talk to spirits. Now, I'm going to tell you people, so what if a demon gets into me? What if a demon gets into me? And prove me wrong when I say this. Prove me wrong. Ouija boards were not associated with demonic possession until The Exorcist, until the book and the movie, The Exorcist. They were never in history associated with demonic possession. Now, you could uh, call up a negative spirit but demonic possession was not even associated with Ouija boards until the exorcist and the Warrens, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, they're going around, did you play with a Ouija board? Well, that's why the demon is possessing your sister. Um, maybe not, you know, maybe not. But um, the, um, the spirit board, you've got to be careful what you summon. Don't ever start off and say, are there any spirits here? Because that's like opening your door uh, – and saying, uh, 
hey, everybody, just come on in. You know, any stranger walking by, you, hey, you want to come in for dinner? And that guy walking by could be a killer, you know, or um, somebody working for the Republican Party or something. So what you want to do is specify as accurately as possible the spirit you're trying to connect. And this is very easy. Have a photograph. Say their name again and again and again and again. A spirit's name has great power. And uh, one of the most difficult things to establish sometimes uh, with necromancy is getting that spirit's name. That's why spirit mediums uh, will say, okay, there, here, here's a man. He's got blue eyes and a stubbly chin and his name uh, and something, you know, be something. And uh, because spirits are kind of like the rest of us, you know, if somebody knows your name, they can do a lot with it. They can do a lot, and spirits can be trapped. You know, spirits can be bound into things. Um, spirits can be uh, put into bottles and objects and bound. And so they, they're, what's your name? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> what are your intentions? So uh, I find if you make your intentions very clear to a spirit and gain trust, eventually the spirit will give you the name. But a lot of times they'll just, uh, you can call me Mr. M. <laughs> yeah, M. And uh, until they get to know you, but you know, even if it's a relative, why should they trust you? Like, have you never had relatives who took advantage of you? You know, come on. You know, do you trust? Oh, I'm family. I'm family. You know, it's like I had a friend. He's he was a palm reader in Council Bluff, Iowa. His name's Fred, and uh, he got really lucky by spirit aid and won. Oh, Jesus! Like two hundred fifty thousand dollars at a Caribbean poker. And so two things happened. One, he said to people come in and say, well, if you're a psychic, why aren't you rich? He'd say, go over there and look at the big winner's wall, <laughs> and there's his picture. And they go, oh, okay. And uh, that shut them up. But also, he said, John, you'd be amazed at the relatives that you didn't know you had that come out of the woodwork when you have your hands on that much money. And the same thing kind of applies to spirit. You open the door, and uh, they'll, they'll come in with their hands out and um, – and this is why the traditional wisdom of this is that it takes several weeks and sometimes months to actually contact an ancestor spirit. If you've done it within uh, five or six days, then it's probably not uh, a wholesome spirit. It could be a trickster or uh, one of your relatives that you just really don't want to work with. So if you're doing the spirit board, know who you're calling. Uh, you know, there's various urban legends like Zazo or Zazu, you know, and they say, yeah, if you, if, if you ever contact Zazu, don't, you know, you'll be possessed and bad things will happen to you. It's, it's utter, there's been no evidence whatsoever that Zazo or Zizo, Zizo or whoever uh, actually exists. And um, that even if Zazo did exist and Zazo's a wicked spirit, you banish him. You know, you think, banish, you know, you banish him. And this is where your ancestors come in handy because if you have your ancestors on your side, there's not going to be any wicked spirits. But you're starting from scratch, so you're trying to develop this relationship. When you have your ancestor spirits, and this is a very good advantage, um, you have your ancestor spirits, you've got a good relationship, you're talking to them really well, they can go out and recruit other spirits for you. And these are called working spirits. You know, let's say you need someone who's really good at influencing matters of love. You need someone who's very good with influencing prosperity. They can go out and find those those spirits for you, and you make deals with them. And this is the really cool part of advanced necromancy, when you have your spirits, have subcontractors of their own, and you, you arrange it like it's a company, a board of directors, um, a CEO, Etc. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, though, that um, very rarely will you be the CEO. Um, I work for my spirits, and my spirits work for God. That's the hierarchy. I can't tell them what to do. And if there's a CEO of my company, it's my great-grandmother. She's the CEO of the company. She tells the rest of us what to do. And uh, I'll be on a case with a client, and uh, my grandmother is very strict, very hard mountain woman. And uh, I'll be on a case with the client, and the client won't do what we say, what we advise. And my grandmother puts up with that for a little while. But at some point, she'll just turn her back to me, won't talk. And I'll have to tell my client, I 
can't do anything for you. My spirit's full. Well, why? Why won't, my, why won't your spirit please, please talk? I said, you know, I can't convince her. I'm I'm the I'm the front man here. Without my spirits, I'm just a guy with a deck of cards or a few stones. Really, I have nothing. And uh, you know, I'm a guy burning a candle, and I have nothing for you. Without my spirits, I have nothing for you. And uh, um, you know, I'm a I'm a good diviner. I can do some divination for you, but nothing, nothing like the stuff I can do with the spirits. Nothing. And uh, um, the um, uh, the spirit-driven divination is so much more powerful, has so much more depth to it than just memorizing the meaning of a deck of cards, you know, turning them over and interpreting them. Um, although some people do trigger their clairvoyance that way. Um, when you have the spirit community behind you, you can do so much more with it. There is a radiant wave that comes out from the connection that people respond to and spirits respond to and the spirits of your clients will respond to. They wake up and say, hey, hey, how can I get in on this? What do I need to do? So this is very useful to do. Another form of spiritual tool uh, for necromancy is a pendulum. You have a letter board with the pendulum, and it spells out um, that the crystal ball has been used in necromancy. We've discussed the use of that. We'll discuss the use of all these items more. I'm just introducing them right now. Um, the use of rocks and crystals can can be uh, used to enhance. The, um, the use of certain suffumigations. There are blends of incenses and perfumes and scents that um, are uh, communicative to the spirit realm. Um, I never practice necromancy without first suffumigating myself and blessing myself and blessing and suffumigating the area. Um, people that treat it too casually, uh, things are going really well for them. And then I've got several uh, associates and clients will say, and John, no, everything's falling apart. It's just like, you know, everything I was blessed. Now all of a sudden, it's like I'm cursed. And I said, "Okay, you're uh, you're doing necromancy. Yes, are you taking care? <laughs> you know, what what did you call in? What's hanging around your house? You know, uh, and then you know they'll do some investigation. Go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some little devils hanging around. I go, okay, you can get rid of those, but you got to know what you're getting rid of. You just can't go in with a fire hose, you know, and say everybody go." Uh, you have, you have 16 ancestor spirits and three mean spirits. You just can't go in and banish everybody, right? So um, these are some of the tools of necromancy. Uh, bells, you can hang a bell, and spirits will ring it to announce their presence. Um, these bells should be uh, spiritually attuned. There are things called graveyard bells, for instance. These were... Uh, you can find Edgar Allan Poe wrote about him, but they used to put them on the outside of graves in case people were accidentally buried alive, and they could ring them and they'd get dug up. That's where the uh, they say that's where the term uh, "saved by the bell" comes from. And if they dug you up too late, you were a dead ringer. That's what they say about these things. But we'll talk about more about this next week. I'm very pleased to get to this point anyway. So we'll see you next week, and you know I love you. Bye bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.